I'm Dr. Gene Hensler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This episode of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, March 10th, 2018. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed in the dollar... It's a late rally on Wall Street... Too big to fail... Growing the economy... Growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Money Talks. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio, Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Jennifer Thomas. And uh, before I get too far into this, Casey, I, as I recall last week, you said the market would be... I said down. Down. So... I'm going to play Jarrett McKenzie and be the the uh, alternate indicator, wow. contrarian yeah, of the show. That's probably the first time in recorded history that anyone has ever tried to uh, pass themselves off on purpose as Jarrett <laughs> McKenzie. <laughs> Folks, you've just witnessed history that's here. That's right. Uh, Making history. Yeah. KC, you're a lot fuzzier on the top than, uh, than uh, Mr. McKenzie, but uh, I, I guess true. we'll let you do it. I mean, he always makes the case that if he whatever he says goes the other way, probably be not the, the best thing for a for a financial planner to well, say in public. Well, we're not supposed to be prognosticators of what the market's going to do. We're, oh, we're in it for the long okay. run. How are we I supposed see. to predict from week to week what's going to happen? Exactly. Well, I guess we all to some degree <laughs> uh, hang on to the statistics, the long run uh, averages, and those sorts of things. And it's the old George Costanza effect, is what that is. Is that it? If the opposite of everything I do is wrong. Or if everything I do is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. Yeah, there was a book when I was a kid. I read Amelia Bedelia, and he she got it wrong every time, too. And uh, even when she tried to unwrong it, it was just not a not a good situation. So uh, um, I apologize to everyone who knew and loved the old KC. Um, Jared is lovable in his own way, and uh, if you act a fraction as a... As, uh, uh, much like Jared, as he does himself, you'll probably be kind of lovable too. So kind of, kind of lovable. I, I mean, I don't want to go too far out on that limb. Well, let's uh, not get crazy. Well, I, that's what I'm trying to do here. All right, so uh, markets up. It's kind of a strange week. We got the, the market up about as much in the last week as it's up for the year. Uh, we Thought got, you gave me the wrong sheet here. I was looking at that. Yeah, yeah. No, the last five market days. Uh, the S&P 500 is up 2.26%. Information technology leading the way higher. Utilities dragging bottom, but they're still positive 0.44%. So every sector is positive this week. If you go back to the year-to-date number, 2.43% higher uh, for the S&P overall. Information technology up 9%. Picking up right where it left off last year. Yeah, we got uh, about half of the sectors starting with materials, then uh, consumer staples, telecom, utilities, real estate, and energy, all negative on the year. Energy being the worst, it's down 7.58%. So uh, kind of some rough sledding among the sectors. Consumer discretionary, financials, healthcare, uh, industrials, 
all positive and uh, just rolled off the list to the sectors that are not. Um, looking at the full year, uh, since March 8th of 2017, S&P 500 up 15.89%. So it's not time to panic. No, which is funny because we keep getting calls, you know, about, oh, my gosh, you know, well, what do you think about this market? Yeah. I mean, oh, you know, it's down so far. What are we going to do? Yeah. And even when you explain it's like it's exactly where it was at the beginning of the year. Yeah, more or less. You know, more or less. Yeah. When you look at the price to earnings ratio, those numbers, the fundamental indicators are very close to where they were beginning of the year. Uh, you know, we talk about it all the time. The market kind of got ahead of itself. We've seen a little bit of uh, news that's given us some uh, some volatility in the market. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we we were up. Over seven percent at the end of January 2018. Yeah. Uh, anybody who watches the market very much knows that that's not a sustainable pace. Right. You know, if we had have forecasted that forward, we would have had to say the market was going to be up almost 150 percent in 2017. That has never, not ever, once happened. Yeah. Uh, that would be a pretty be good healthy. return. We'll, we'll go with that. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, honestly, if we ever see that happen, and, and I'm not a guy who ever calls for this, but uh, I would consider going to cash, yeah. buying me some bonds, doing something. That's just crazy. That would be crazy. But yeah. if you look at the at the sectors that are kind of lagging here, uh, utilities and real estate being two, uh, other than energy, which is sort of its own animal, uh, you know, utilities and real estate highly impacted by interest rates. Absolutely, so yeah, they're bond-like in their movements. Right, no interest rates starting to creep up, and so that's impacting those sectors. I mean, uh, utilities is down a little over 7% for the year. Real estate's down 7.11%. So yeah. um, interest rates are coming into play, and that's really what we saw a few weeks ago when we saw the volatility. Sure. Um, you know, it was, it was really one of those strange situations where good news was bad news. Right. <laughs> the economy's so strong that... There's fear of inflation, and sure. the Fed's going to have to raise rates faster than we were projecting at the end of 17. Right. And that, that was causing some some panic in the markets a little bit. Yeah, and you talk about inflation. I know we don't have this written down, but I, we've been seeing some numbers. Uh, there There is one in the middle of this uh, talking about unit labor costs uh, that were indicated at 2.5%. Uh, I saw some other numbers this week. Uh, where we were seeing numbers around 2.9% wage growth in certain measures, uh, it, not not the uh, CPI or uh, PCE deflator, which are the official um, indicators of inflation, but uh, nonetheless, we're still seeing some fears that um, that yields are going to rise to try to beat down that inflation. So right. uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see it. I mean, we're, uh, you know, we had our, our last recession in 2009. We're nine years out. That's a pretty extended time for a recovery from recession. Uh, but again, you know, they don't die of old age. It's usually the Fed trying to keep inflation in the box uh, yeah. with raising interest rates that actually kills these. I don't blame it on the Fed. They've got reasons to do what they do. But, you know, when you have costs uh, of input goods as well as costs of capital, which is what happens, you know, costs of capital increase uh, when you have interest rates rise. Uh, when you have both of those working in tandem, it starts making profitability of corporations uh, contract a bit, and uh, next thing you know, you got a recession. Well, we're not talking crazy amounts of, of inflation, though. No. I mean, it's still the, their target is 2%. We've been – 
under that for a long period of time, right? Uh, which has allowed them to keep the interest rates relatively low, very low, historically speaking. And then, you know, any sign that it might be creeping up toward the 2% target, and, and it's just mass hysteria, it seems like, right. people going crazy. And, I mean, that's... That's a really healthy level of, of inflation, wouldn't you say? It is, yeah. I mean, their target is 2%. Uh, we're not over that 2% with the official indicators at the, at the core. We're not, you know, I think 1.8, 1.9 is about as high as we've seen it lately. Right. Uh, so they're not even to their target. The thing that they do, though, is try to catch it before it gets out of control like it did in the 70s. Sure. And, you know, think about this. The, the Fed's overnight lending rate is, what, 1.5 right now? Yep. Uh, in 1982, Paul Volcker spiked that rate to over 19%, the overnight lending rate among banks. Can you imagine? Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, but, but it worked. I mean, it, it's what it took to get that stagflation we had dealt with through most of the 70s right. uh, to subside. So uh, we're nowhere near anything like that. You know, basic fundamentals still look pretty solid. In fact, let's go to some of those uh, ISM non-manufacturing index. Uh, slipped a little bit in February uh, to 59.5 from its uh, January number of 59.9. Uh, you know, the, the business activity, although increased, and, uh, you know, new orders were up as well. Uh, we still have an estimate. Now, their ISM has given us an estimate of 2.4% GDP growth in the first quarter. Uh, we talked about that a week or two ago uh, where uh, the – Atlanta Fed had talked about 5.4%, and then they brought it down to 2.5% last, uh, 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 last uh, fourth quarter. So end of last year, we see a number that's about 25 uh, So, you know, it's talking about in line. Our first estimate there was 2.6%. Uh, we get the factory orders. Uh, you know, weakness was a little bit broader than expected. But um, non-defense and defense segment segments were the main blame there. Uh, core capital goods segment, uh, orders fell 0.3%. Uh, shipments in uh, non-durable goods were uh, trending consistently higher uh, thanks to high demand. So, again, you know, it's one of those reports that gives you kind of a mixed bag. Uh, mortgage applications, we look at this quite a bit. It is winter, so, uh, you know, when we see this one a little bit weak, a lot of folks don't go out and buy houses, especially in the northeast during this time of year. But uh, the index was up 0.3%. Refinancing rose 1.5%. That's a little surprising. It is. <clears throat> uh, if you look at the purchases, though, it was uh, down 0.5%. Down, yeah. So, uh, folks, I guess, you know, with higher interest rates, maybe they've been – prompted to get off the bench and, yeah, and go so. do something. Uh, it's amazing to me that they wouldn't have done it before now, but, you know, sometimes things happen. Um, productivity and costs uh, now shown to have been unchanged in the fourth quarter. Previously, were down 0.1%, so that's a positive revision. Uh, Non-farm unit labor costs rose to 2.5% uh, at an annualized rate in the fourth quarter, previously at 2%. There's that number that I was talking about earlier. Uh, so, you know, the, it, like I say, kind of a mixed bag for uh, economic data, but um, there you have it. So uh, we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about a dog of the week and uh, answer some financial questions. Y'all stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. Dog of the week. 
guys, here we go with Dog of the Week. Uh, it seems that uh, MarketWatch is telling us that America has a billion-dollar problem in its spending. I know what it is. A billion-dollar drunk Drunk spending. shopping. Ah, yeah. nice. The, uh, the note shows that 2017, Americans spent an average of $448 per person in drunk purchases per haul. Man, can you believe it's, it's like you know? I mean, it used to be that you like what drunk dialed your ex. Now you drunk shop. Sure, I'm not sure. really sure. Pull, pull up the Amazon and go to go to town with it, right? Uh, Casey, uh, since you haven't pre-read this, tell me which do you think spent more, men or women? Ooh, I'll, I won't mm. say anything because I don't want to. Did you read I the whole thing? Men. I did. I think it might be men. Uh, you, would you were correct. I was shocked right. by that. That's kind of surprising, yeah. but I, I, I don't know. I, I think. Well, I think women more, shop more, but maybe men. Men are more prone to the impulse purchase. I think. Yeah, they, uh, they especially spend when they're drinking. More than twice. Um, in fact, more than three times uh, what women spent per individual. Um, so, tell me which uh, which generation you think? Generation X. Oh. oh. The, Baby boomers, millennials, who spent more? Let's go with millennials. Millennials. Buying stuff online. You would be wrong. Oh. Generation X spent 738 <laughs> last year. 738 oh, wow. per person. Uh, millennials well, I guess millennials don't have that much money to blow on. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's I don't know. What is it? They say that. one in however many millennials have $100,000 in their bank account. No, yeah. I can't well, remember. Millennials are, like are more frugal. They came through the Great Recession. They're yeah, frugal. well, that's true. They came of age during the Great Recession. Yeah. And, and because of that, they really are more frugal. Uh, men, here's that stat I was looking for, $564 uh, per man versus 282 per man. Uh, yeah, so double. Double what uh, the women spent. So, um, you know, I, I guess there's uh, there's ways that you can deal with this. But before we get to that, uh, they say 61% of the shoppers spent drunkenly on food. <laughs> Which uh, I don't really count. I mean, I don't know. That didn't. How do they know? I, well, I, I mean, they, I guess they're they're ordering it online to be delivered right then. I would imagine. Okay. Uh, now we've had well, some. I folks. mean, I'm glad that they're ordering in and not uh. And going, you know, out, going yes, out, yes. Yeah. Driving. I hope that they're drunk ordering in. Right. <laughs> I, see, I, I think they should have taken food out and just done it based on like everything else. It's like the CPI. Yeah. You got to exclude food and energy. In there. <laughs> <laughs> Reduce it from your drunk shopping list. Uh, the next most was uh, shoes and clothes. At 26%, gambling at 25%. There you go. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of your, your males, I imagine. Yeah, very well could be. So I, I guess they were hoping they don't have to go to work in the morning if they hit it big in gambling the night before <laughs> drunk. Um, but, yeah. But would you remember that you won? Um, maybe not. <laughs> Usually what they say is you wake up the next morning with, uh, you know, with emails from your credit card yeah. or your bank. Telling you that you've spent X, Y, or Z. Uh, and, uh, you know, most of the folks that answered as to how you would deal with this say, yes, return the stuff. Of course, it's hard to return food. And since that accounts for more than half of it, uh, <laughs> you might be just stuck yeah. with that. And you can't one. return gambling. I mean, I know. you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you're gambled out. Maybe you, you can get write a, your losses off, though. You can. Uh, didn't they change some of that? I, I don't remember that. Right? Yeah. It we used to be you could only write week. off losses to the extent of your <laughs> To the extent of your winnings, winnings yeah. Yeah, so um, anyway, so uh, there's, believe it or not, there's an app for everything. 
And uh, there is an app out there, Drunk Pay, D-R-N-K Pay, uh, where you can put your debit card in. And if you spend more than a certain amount at a bar or a, an establishment of that sort, uh, it basically limits your spending elsewhere. Wow. In, a, in an evening. But I guess if you're sitting at home with a bottle of wine or a six-pack of beer, it doesn't it doesn't work. Oh yeah, no. If you bought it yesterday, you're you're out of luck. You you can you can be drunk and broke both. Uh, so cold turkey is another option, uh, and, and that's one that doesn't require uh, you to put in your your uh, debit card. But you can actually uh, you can't go uh, to certain um, apps that uh, that would allow you to buy anything. Even if you delete the app, it still continues to block your purchasing. Oh, I don't know online. that I want that. I, yeah, I don't. Right. I don't need something to control me that much. I think you know you have to be. If you want to partake in alcoholic beverages, you have to. You know. Yeah. Know your limits. Know your limits. Exactly. You know, and your credit somebody limits. Somebody. That's right. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> somebody, please tell me exactly how it works when you go back to the to the. Uh, um, Taco Bell the next day and tell them, uh, I ordered these chalupas and I don't really need them. And I don't think that's going to work. But anyway, yeah, that's, that's your financial planning dog of the week that for this is, week. So, uh, that's good stuff. Yeah. I, I like was, that. I was amazed that, uh, that folks were actually spending that much. It's an electronic age. You can do just about anything online, including force yourself into poverty. I had a roommate in college that had a problem with that. Um, but he would, he would watch the infomercials, you know, come home from the bar at <laughs> 2 a.m. and turn on the TV. Wow. And it's susceptible you know, to that. Oh, yeah. And he'd be, he'd be dialing, you know, ordering whatever from the TV. It was, wow. It was good times. Yeah, well, for somebody. <laughs> yeah. For me. The sales were up. It was fun, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess you had a ringside <laughs> seat. You got to watch it all happen, right? right? Is that the reason that you're a financial planner? Probably so. Yeah. yeah there you go. All right. Try to save folks from their drunken self. That's right. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, we have a, uh, a lot more to talk about this week, although that was fun. Uh, so it is the season, tax season. Uh, it's all over us, um, and folks are getting scammed left and right. It, uh, it breaks my heart to see how easy it seems to, uh, to pick folks off when it comes to the IRS. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about it before where somebody's uh, information might get stolen. It started out when I used to first hear about these uh, somebody's kid's uh, social security number got pulled in and used, yep. uh, and the next thing you know, they wouldn't allow them to uh, file their own taxes. Then we had folks that were getting their own uh, social security numbers stolen and, and a tax return filed on that. A lot of times they can trace this back to prisoners, folks that are in prison actively, currently doing these sorts of things. But uh, this week we wanted to talk about some of the other newer scams where they're going directly at you. Um, Trying to force you, scare you, into uh, into giving them money. Yeah, it's it's a pretty bad situation because you have the IRS or you you get a phone call. You know, it's dinner time. The IRS is on the phone saying you owe them back taxes, and if you don't pay them, they're going to send the cops to your house and take you to jail and all this stuff. And using fear as a way to try to coerce you to give them credit card information to to make it go away and that kind of thing, but. Or they actually want you to go buy prepaid debit cards, right. and, yes. you know, or um, or wire money, you know, to a place. And so one thing you should know, the IRS is never, ever going to require you to do something like that. Right. You know, they will send you, a, the first thing that they're going to do is send you a notice in the mail. Yeah. 
and you have the right to dispute that. Sure. Um, or, you know, uh, so they're never going to, any payment that you make, they're going to want you to make that to the United States Treasury. They're not going, it's not going to be any type of prepaid debit card right. or, and they're not going to threaten you with a police officer or deportation or whatever the case may be. They're not going to do those types of things. Right. Yeah, so, uh, you know, when it comes right down to it, there's a lot of folks that have that have uh, fell prey to this. And a, a friend of mine actually works for the IRS and uh, answers calls uh, where people have, have been scammed before. And uh, believe it or not, at one point uh, she received a call. She had received several of them, and she would always just know what was going on and just hang up. So one time she decided that she was going to ride this out and see exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, she was on the phone with them over an hour, about an hour and a half. And uh, the folks would, uh, when she would answer a question uh, incorrectly for their liking, they would just start yelling and screaming and cussing at her. <laughs> and uh, she would she would make it right real quick to make sure she could stay on the line just to see where it ultimately ended. And uh, they, they wanted her to drive to the store and buy an iTunes card and uh, give them the number, the, the validation number off the back of the iTunes card. And she feigned as if she were driving to the store, feigned as if she had bought it. They wanted to stay on the phone with her the whole time. And uh, ultimately, uh, at the end of the call, once she had figured out the whole way the scam works, obviously it's, it's really hokey if you think about what they did. And, you know, this particular individual, and it doesn't have to be this way, but they had broken English and it was, it was difficult for them uh, for her to follow some of the things that they were saying. But when they started cussing, she full well understood what was up. Well, and the IRS is not likely going to require you to buy an iTunes card. So. <laughs> no, no, but that's exactly what yes. they wanted her it's, to do. It's common sense stuff. I, I had a client a couple of years ago told me a story about that they did something similar, got a call. They knew it was a, a hoax, so they kind of played along. They said the cops were coming, and they were like, oh, good, we're having lasagna tonight. Tell them to come over and hope they're hungry, and we'll we'll have some some food and some wine, and just maybe we can sort this whole thing out. <laughs> yeah. Well. Now, well, you know, there was an employee that works at our firm who was at my house and got a phone call one night. I remember and, this. Uh, and said that I think it was his nephew or right. something had been arrested, and they needed, you know, to get him, or there was an arrest warrant out for his nephew. Right. That's what it was. And in order for him not to get arrested, they needed him to go buy some prepaid debit card type thing. And he was really concerned about it. Ready to go do And it. ready to go do And I'm like, it's a scam. It's a scam. They're not. And so he kind of, you know, kept playing along with it. And, and he called the guy back. And the guy kept telling him. And so finally he was like. I've already checked. I've called the because he he was so concerned that he called the police department. He called all the and they and they told him it's a scam. Yeah. And so when he called the guy back, he said it's a scam. And the guy was like, "Well, can you at least just give me fifty bucks <laughs> yeah, for my effort?" It was that was yeah. the most bizarre ending. All right, you're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. Stick around. When I think back on all the crap I learned. I had my eye on you a long time, Doctor. I consider you one of my most valuable long-term investments. And when it comes to my investments, I always do my homework.
Money Talks, where we always encourage you to do your homework before you invest your money. I guess don't drunk invest either, since don't we're drunk invest. going on the heels of that last uh, dog of the week. Uh, we do have quite a few questions here this week, and uh, leading it off is Mason from Marietta. But before we go into Mason, let's talk about how you can contact us. Uh, we've got a question hotline. You can call 1-855-429-9166, where you can leave a message, leave your question in the form of a message, and uh, we will play it on air and answer it shortly after. Or you can call and speak to a human, 770-429-9166. Uh, ask whatever questions you'd like, uh, and our producer will get them to us. Uh, or you can uh, email Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, you can also go to our website, Hensler.com, spelled the same way, uh, and find good articles that uh, may just answer your own question if it is broad enough, if it's not something specific to you. So uh, you have all kind of options. And uh, as I said, Mason from Marietta took, took us up on one of those options, emailing in the question this week. Uh, and he says, I guess, Mason, is a, I guess I shouldn't have even gone into that. What do you think, Gus? Uh, one of many analysts on TV said AbV was a buy. Is it on your radar? AbV, ticker ABBV, um, is a uh, developer, manufacturer of pharmaceutical products worldwide. Uh, company offers Humira. Uh, if I try to tell you what all these things, Imbruvica, Vicara, Pack. Uh, there's loads and loads of uh, pharmaceuticals, and uh, one of the reasons that I always struggle to get any of my analysts to cover them is because you've got to learn to speak another language in order to talk about uh, pharmaceuticals and have anyone else understand you. But uh, the company has had um, earnings growth over the last five years at about 9.5%, uh, expected to grow by 13.67% going forward. I always think of that, um, you know, as to why in the world would this thing grow any faster than uh, than its uh, peers or faster than its own history uh, before I go buying. But I will tell you that uh, price uh, to earnings growth, PEG, which is today's price divided by a forecasted 12 months earnings divided by the growth rate, expected growth rate, uh, as averaged by all the analysts that cover the stock is 1.12. Uh, that number, if it's around 1, I usually believe that it's probably uh, priced pretty well. I will tell you that pharmaceuticals have been kicked around pretty bad last year and uh, even earlier this year. Uh, so, you know, it gets down to a, to a point where you can expect that it's uh, um, it's not too terribly expensive. If you just look at the P.E. ratio, it's over 30 times, which means the price is 30 times the earnings uh, per share. Uh, not the best of things. Uh, I also like to look at the EVA spread, economic value added. This is uh, where we take the return on invested capital and uh, determine whether or not it's higher than uh, than the cost of capital. And uh, in this case, it's not. It's negative uh, 9.84. So uh, economic uh, profitability is, is kind of questionable here. The ROA is still really good, 11.5%. Uh, that's the return on assets, return on equity, 117.9. So when you see a number that big, uh, you should usually expect that uh, there's a whole lot of debt. 
Debt to equity, 794%. What do you think about that, Casey? Is that mm-hmm. a little is that a little bit overboard? Seems a, seems a little bit of a of a risk there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so you know, all things considered, and there's there's other companies out there that I would prefer uh, in the pharmaceutical space. Celgene uh, is one of them. Uh, Johnson and Johnson is another. Uh, this was a spinoff from something, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, it was um, Abbott Labs. Abbott Labs, that's yeah, right. Yeah, so it, it uh, spun off uh, the lab-type business with uh, all the uh, beakers and, and uh, lab supplies went one direction. This was more considered the growth piece where right. pharma can grow, uh, and it became AbbVie. So, um, again, I'm not a huge fan, uh, just given the, the level of – uh, leverage and the, uh, the the pricing, although, you know, you look at it relative to what is expected for the growth, and I'm a bit of a skeptic when it comes to that growth. Uh, but, uh, you know, it doesn't look terrible. But in the long run, I think you'd be better served by a company with a whole lot less debt and uh, maybe some expectations that are a bit more achievable. All right, Casey, uh we got Neil from Atlanta, says, I'm 66 and started Social Security benefits last year, but this year I've started a part-time job. How will working affect my Social Security retirement benefits? You, Jennifer, KC, either one of you got a Well, at that? 66 in 2018, that means he was born in either 1951 or 1952, depending on when his birthday, birthday is. is. So he's at full retirement age, so... Technically, for him, he can work as much as he wants to and continue to draw Social Security. Um, if he were younger than that, uh, then, you know, he, the, if you're not at full retirement age, the most that you can earn uh, without having your social, social Security benefits reduced is $17,040 this year. And when it gets over that... They start throttling you, right? Right. They um, deduct a dollar for every two dollars you earn above the annual limit. Okay. So you know, really, if if it's you know close to that amount, you could probably still deal with it. But if it's if you're earning you know forty thousand dollars a year, if you go back to work, or if you're you know even thirty thousand dollars a year doing a part time job, you might not want to you might want to stop your social security benefits at that point yeah and uh what they describe as earnings counting toward that limit is uh it's net earnings from self-employment or uh uh any type of a job but not pensions annuities investment income interest and uh, veterans and other government benefits so uh you got to be careful as to what you're looking at as far i mean if you went back in the military at 66 that'd be a miracle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, it'd, it'd be uh, earned if, earned income is what they're really going for there, um, right? Not investment income or pensions. Or, I mean, Social Security, I guess, is is earned technically, but it's <laughs> um, they're really trying to to keep you in line with that that number. Before two thousand, I think you know it was that there was a an income limit for all ages of Social Security, and then they changed it in two thousand to only be effective for. People who take the benefit younger than full retirement age, um, you know, they do actually recalculate your benefit and give you credit for earnings you have with, you withheld for, you know, income that you had over that limit. So if you, you know, once you hit full retirement age, though, you might get a benefit. So it could make sense in some rare cases to actually 
take it and have it reduced. Um, for example, if you're going to be earning, if you're going to increase your average wages to the point where you would get a higher benefit, maybe it makes sense to do that. Yeah. But, but not it's, one it's of those high-paying government jobs. Right? No, yeah. Yeah. Probably not. Uh, if you have questions on this, you can go to uh, ssa.gov, uh, where they have a retirement earnings test calculator that will uh, help you answer the questions as to whether or not uh, you're getting in the crosshairs of, of this particular issue. All right, guys, uh, let's move on. we got Andy from Mableton who says, I saw Lincoln National Corporation and Allstate Corp both listed as undervalued growth stocks are either worth adding to my financial holdings. Um, I will tell you, Lincoln National is a company that uh, for a long time we actually recommended to clients. We don't any longer, and one of the reasons is it doesn't meet our criteria for investment. Uh, Allstate, on the other hand, does, uh, but they are uh, two different types of insurers. Lincoln National is more of a life insurance company, sells a lot of annuities and retirement plans, um, whereas Allstate, and you know what's strange? For a long time, uh, they also own Jefferson Pilot, mm-hmm. the, the uh, television network, but I think they've since spun that off. I don't watch them that closely anymore, but uh, anyway, it was really strange to see a company in the financial sector that owned a television network, but that's <laughs> what we had. Uh, and then Allstate is a property and casualty insurer. Uh, if you look, they're talking about growth. Uh, growth in uh, uh, Lincoln National, 8% expected. It's been uh, eight and a half over the last five years. That seems reasonable. Last five years for Allstate, 2.28% expected long-term growth at 9%. These are, are not really like growth. Maybe they are undervalued. I look at the... Uh, PEG that I just explained, 1.15 for Lincoln National. That's low enough. Uh, the PEG for Allstate, again, is 126. Uh, I'm going to take a real quick break. And when I come back, I want to talk a little more about this particular situation, but uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm hedging toward not recommending either one. So stick around. We'll be right back with uh, the final answer. How about that? You're listening to Money Talks. When you're pregnant, you start reading about the cost of having a baby. When you start reading about the cost of having a baby, you learn about the cost of sending that baby to college and immediately start saving all your money in a 529 plan. When you save all your money in a 529 plan, you save no money in your 401k, thinking your son will get a business degree from Harvard and take care of you in retirement. When you think your son will take care of you in retirement, he changes majors and gets a degree in jazz studies. When he gets a degree in jazz studies, he moves back home with you and you have to support him. When you have to support him, you don't get to retire. Don't be forced to work through retirement to support your jazz-loving adult son. Stop investing without a plan and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. We're back. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Casey Smith and Jennifer Thomas, both certified financial planners. Um, Certifiable, too. Yeah, well, (laughs) um, maybe. Maybe. Sometimes more often than others. Depending on the day. Yeah, well, then there's that. Uh, So, guys, when we last spoke, uh, we were talking about uh, Andy from Mableton's question about Lincoln National Corp and Allstate 
Uh, so Lincoln National is more of a life insurance company. When you look at life insurance companies, uh, what I prefer to do is look at their portfolio of holdings. Uh, quite often, uh, the folks uh, that actually give them the estimates of how long you can live are pretty good at it, yeah. uh, the actuaries. And uh, they can they can get pretty close with uh, your life expectancy, so they can match up their bond holdings to offset their liabilities, which are you know the contracts they sell to you and your loved ones on your life. Uh, so when you have one of these companies that uh, is selling at a price below book value, it's usually probably the best indicator as to how cheap it is. Now, it might be cheap for a reason. You know, we are having, Casey, we talked about it first segment of the show, we're seeing declines in interest rates, right? And That's declines right. in interest rate make, or increases, increases rather, in, yeah. in interest rates make prices in bonds decline. So Correct. the value, the book value of their bond portfolio uh, it may be likely to fall sure. going forward. So you have to get a good feel for how well these uh, life insurance companies uh, can manage their bond portfolio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you can uh, when you can do that, then it gives you a little more confidence in the, the company that you would purchase. Sure. Uh, right now, uh, we do not recommend Lincoln. Uh, and instead, I would say MetLife. Uh, they've they've proven uh, to do a pretty good job at uh, managing their uh, their bond portfolio. And what you see in the earnings of most of these companies is about half of their earnings come from the interest that's paid on the bonds that they hold, and the other half comes from writing new policies. So that's that's pretty common in that space. And again, you know, I'd rather see you purchase MetLife than uh, Lincoln National. Um, MetLife has not been without a little bit of volatility themselves lately. Uh, although I think a lot of it was overblown. Um, you know, they uh, have made purchases of a lot of smaller companies over the years, and what you wind up seeing is um, they have kind of lost touch with who their client is. In fact, to the point where they don't know their address, they don't know the Social Security numbers on this, uh, on the contracts, they don't know the phone number, can't get in, t- in touch with them at all. So a couple of uh, quarters back, they released uh, reserves that they had set aside on those particular companies. And um, next thing you know, they realized that that was a mistake. So mm-hmm. uh, their last earnings report was delayed by 10 days. Uh, the SEC came out and started talking about material weaknesses in uh, some of their uh, accounting, which I think, again, is overblown. Um, we're talking about a, a, a hit to a company that makes billions in earnings every quarter, uh, but we're talking about $537 million in this particular case to cover the whole thing. Uh, I, again, you know, I think it's probably an opportunity to purchase uh, MetLife. Uh, as far as Allstate, which was the other company that he asked about, property and casualty insurers in the third quarter got beaten up because we had hurricanes, yep. lots of hurricanes. Um, they're getting a little better, but one of the things that we're seeing is a secular uh, issue in property and casualty, especially among companies that – um, insure automobiles, and why might you think that accidents are higher? Maybe distracted driving. Oh, yeah, there you yeah. go. So uh, that's one of the things that actually is credited with uh, making that space a lot more difficult these days. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, some of the accidents that they're seeing in commercial vehicles uh, have been uh more in number, so more in frequency, 
as well as the losses have been bigger lately. So uh, a couple of secular issues, uh, maybe that's cured when, uh, you know, Arizona, I was reading this week, Arizona has opened up the roads to uh, self-driving trucks. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, hmm. you know, it's uh, maybe it's not too far from from uh, reality that we're going to see some more self-driving trucks on the road, and hopefully we would see that uh, that trend actually starts to subside. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, we got another one here. Brendan from Dunwoody asked a question, and I'm going to kind of take it out of turn, but only because it's so pertinent to what's been going on in the market. Uh, He says uh, the markets fell apart Wednesday with more news on Trump's tariffs on imported steel and aluminum. Do you think this could cause a trade war? Also, any opinion on why the markets uh, drop so much every time a White House employee resigns? I thought the political volatility is built into the market. So, um that's an interesting question. Yes, absolutely. Any Econ 101 class that's ever talked about tariffs will tell you that uh, tariffs don't actually benefit uh, the citizenry of the country who enacts them. What generally happens is uh, the industry, domestic industry, within that economy actually will benefit, but the folks that are left to foot the bill are the, the citizens. Yeah, the, the citizen consumers so anything that you can think of that's uh, steel or aluminum, and these these uh, tariffs were actually enacted uh, in the offing. Steve Cohn, uh, economic advisor to the president, did step down. Uh, it is said, although he went out very nicely with a smile and said, you know, he loved the opportunity and all that stuff. It is said that he left, and the timing is, I mean, unmistakable. Yeah, it's pretty hard to deny. The yeah, timing. he left because of tariffs. So. He's a big free trade proponent, and uh, you know, I, th- I think in general, uh, it makes sense <laughs> to be a free trade proponent. Sure. Uh, but I, I get what you know the president's trying to do here, and and from a negotiation standpoint, or or whatever it is that he's he's trying to attempt to renegotiate NAFTA and all these things that right. come into play here. Um, you know, it's. It's interesting. I mean, it's exactly what he campaigned on. So you can't fault him for for that. Is he sticking to right. what he's what he promised to do when he was running for president? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the way you look at this is, if aluminum and and uh, steel steel are are if you can if you're we're taking in imports with no tariffs, so from China or uh, or other countries uh, that can bring a product to market at a much lower cost than than it takes. You know, for a, a U.S. manufacturer to bring the same product to market, it's a it's a big problem with commodities, obviously, because sure. um, any commodity there's no differentiation between it. So if China can can bring on steel for a much lower cost, I mean, then it, it makes no sense to for for the you know the users of steel to buy it from American companies. So that hurts American steel industry and the right. jobs for the workers in that industry. Yeah. So you're protecting the American, you know, steel worker and and aluminum worker and the, the companies that produce those products. Yeah. But what we've seen, too, is a, a broad across the board, the market has declined. But I think it's uh, the max it declined, and that was this week. You know, we talked about the numbers this week uh, where they're up 2.6%, whatever right. they are, 2.3%. Uh, so all things considered, the market's rebounded from this. Uh, even with Cohn sticking to his guns and, and bowing out. But uh, what you've seen is steel companies have actually boosted uh, in price. So um, you're seeing what the economists told us would be the most likely thing to happen. Yeah. 
Uh, and, and that makes and sense. Casey, to your point, I really do think that this is a this is a uh, Trump um, negotiation practice. He's already backed off on charging any tariffs to uh, Canada and Mexico. Um, so, you know, in the end, I'm not sure exactly what it'll look like. I will tell you George Bush did this uh, back in the early 2000s. Uh, World Trade Organization actually slapped him with uh, uh, some, you know, said it was a, a no-no, and before you know it, he had actually uh, reversed his decision. So, guys, this is the spot where we talk about market up or down. I'll leave it to you, Casey. This is your redemption. It's going to be down again. Down again. A slice of heaven. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll see you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.